For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan. Dennis Dick, uh, I think he threw his back out or something. So uh, he is getting that looked at. So it'll just be Joel and I in the driver's seats uh, this morning. But we have some news on our radar. We're going to talk about some earnings, CarMax, uh, BlackBerry, AutoZone. We have Syntas, Nike after the close today. A nice setup in U.S. Steel. Netflix, if you can believe it, is red for the year. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about American Express adding to their buyback and increasing their dividend. We'll take your questions from our chat. And we'll be joined by Nick Shaheen at 835 and potentially a surprise guest at 850. We will see about that. But, Joel, what's the word here in the overnight trading session? And Dennis calls me an old man. Yeah. And, and he makes fun of me all the time. You don't hear me like having back issues and things like that. No, Triple D, I hope you're you're listening in the waiting room there and you're doing good. Uh, we're green. Uh, we're green once again here, Spencer, by 10 handles at 3,007. Uh, we caught a bid late in the day yesterday, continued uh, the 45 minutes up to 5 o'clock, continued at the 6 p.m. open, went to 12 and a quarter. Have nothing up there for you, folks. 1375 has been the high of the rebound. I'll just use an intermediate target at 3,018. That's Friday's high. As far as support goes, uh, we're hanging mid-range on the session, so I'd like to see us hang in here. Pre-market low, 0075. But if they take us back down to the close, that close is way down at 97 even. Uh, so that's a good 10 handles away. Uh, crude in the red by 66 cents at 57.98. I'm thinking if crude can't rally now, I don't know if it's ever going to rally here. Holding on to that support at 57.37. If not, you get into the gap area. You have gold in the red by 290 at 15.2860. Uh, silver in the red by a little over a dime here at uh, 18.81. Bitcoin just hanging out here, down $85 at 9,720. All right, Joel, let's start with overstock today because what a move that had yesterday what a move 
All right, we talked about the news yesterday. Just down, straight down. Didn't quite get into uh, Friday's range that we were looking at. Uh, Friday's uh, high was 1487, the low 1452. Talking about the gap theory, folks, when the stock gaps down. If anybody out there in either chat does not understand what I'm talking about, please speak up and I'll go into it in a little bit more detail. Uh, closed near the lows of the session, 11.19, getting a 33-cent bounce this morning. Let's see if buyers emerge at that $11 level. I will just alert you that we were under $10 here, I believe, a few months ago. Yeah, you had a few monthly lows under $10, right about the $9 area. So that's your super extra major support, $2 away from it. I don't think we'll hit it today. They just flushed everyone out, though. I mean, it was bad news, but I, you know what? It's always interesting to see just how much uh, uh, buying or selling pressure starts at the open, right? Because, oh. you know, it was down big in the pre-market, and you're right. not quite sure are they going to hit it? Uh, are they going to lift it uh, once the real money comes in? And uh, they crushed it. Well, think about it. Think about everyone that, I mean, there's a lot of people caught long this thing, right? We traded up to 29.75 on September 13th, right? And here you are at a lot, you know, at the time we were opening at 14. So you have two factors going in. One, anybody that's long is like choking. Okay. Secondly, you get these ARBs, go, or not the ARBs, but the high-frequency traders going, right? And they know people are long, and they are sniffing out big sell orders. And they could care less, Spencer, that you're long at $25. They're just going to pepper that thing until they exhaust the sellers. And it looks like uh, there were sellers all day here. So there's two factors. One, longs thrown in the towel. Second, uh, aggressive short sellers out there. And yes, in this great bull market, there still are people out there making money on the short side. And I just saw that they filed for a mixed shelf offering. Oh, so. really? <laughs> they gave, you got to be kidding me. People are stuck. You just said it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the old oh man oh gosh that's crazy uh is yeah. there i don't know no, I don't... no no size uh no size or terms disclosed that i've seen Just... yeah well that will, whatever price that comes out to that will be uh the stickling price but i don't yeah. know hard, hard to stomach buying that stuff where would you buy it where would you buy I it wouldn't. i wouldn't man that's uh, I, I i've never even been to overstock.com have you it's it, it's an e-commerce site. I've never even been there. Is there are they furniture or is that way yeah. It's no well yeah, it's like as I understand it, it's like Amazon but not as good. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go there right now for the first time. Okay, let's do it. Can you pull it up on the screen? It's furniture. It's it's furniture and furniture and apparel, jewelry. They've got outdoor stuff. I'm just looking on my on my laptop. I remember talking with Kolb about this one about a year ago. Uh, yeah, maybe a year ago. And I remember he, he traded it short and um i wish he never would have covered i think he eventually covered here but i don't know i was probably short at 50 60 70 and 80 on the way up too so it's not a really a big deal when you make a call when it goes 80 70 60 50 40 30 20 and down to 10 but uh yeah and lombardo 141 says as dennis will say i'll buy it for a penny well you may yeah. be seeing that there someday yeah. uh what you got overstock up 
Uh, well, I was. I just had the the on, on my on my laptop. I had the webpage. Oh, you didn't show. Okay. Um, what about Netflix here though? I this was surprising. Netflix is red for the year. Joel hasn't had a, a down year since 2014. They are down now for 2019. And we've you know we've had some people on the show. I mean, Michael uh, Pactor from Webbush has been bearish for a while, yeah. but I do remember having Anne Marie on. Anne Marie will be on tomorrow. I know she was giving us some bearish setups on there, and I know you guys, you know, Mr. Chaykin's timing is not always perfect, but I know Mr. Chaykin has been uh, negative on this one. A uh, lot of competition. I mean, there is. There's so much streaming competition out there. Uh, there's seven bucks, Apple undercut them. I tell you, I really don't know the whole future of TV because I don't watch that much TV. The TV I watch is really Michigan football and that's kind of hard to watch. So I don't know. I mean, how much people, like how much time do you spend watching like on your phone and all these different devices? Comcast comes in there, Facebook with the portal, ton of competition coming in. Uh, Things are looking bleak here. We're trading down again, 52 cents. Big level to keep an eye on. 256.58. That's your low for the year, folks. So if you're looking for a target on the downside, uh, the low from yesterday, 61.89. So there you go. There's your target, 256.58 in Netflix. And this morning, you get a couple analysts. Uh, Pivotal's playing catch up here. They're uh, maintaining their buy. But they're lowering their price target to 350. So uh, I don't know if we're going to hit that in a year. But that's that's Pivotal's price. Yeah, target. that's his pound. You know, is it Pivotal? Boy, they're being a little. Uh, did they uh, pull the rug out from under Roku too? Who was it to pull yeah, the rug out? Yeah, yeah, that was Pivotal. <laughs> really? Do we don't? Yeah, do we don't? Uh, yeah, that was. I, I don't know if I would assume it's the same analyst, but that was. Take uh, a look. Wait, is it P- Peter? Hold I on, think it is. Was it? What was it? Was it? Was it pivotal? Let me look here. Yeah, it was pivotal. It was pivotal. Is it? Was it Peter C? I, C? I don't know. Would you, uh, the analyst? I don't know who the analyst was. But Doesn't it say there in pro? Not always. Okay. Um, so sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. So so pivotal maintaining their their buy. Lowering their price target on Netflix this morning. Wells Fargo is also initiating Netflix with a neutral or market perform rating, giving it a two eighty eight dollar price target. So, so what do you do? So with this three fifty target now, it already hit three fifty. Am I supposed to? <laughs> yeah, I don't. It already hit its target it, and it's I, going down. I guess. Or do I buy it now and sell it at three fifty? Yeah, I, I guess the latter is what they're saying. No way. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, uh, but. But their price target was here. It was five fifteen. Yeah, just just to show you how how out of whack the price target was with reality. So maybe yeah. don't maybe don't follow uh, the pivotal analyst for their Netflix calls. Sure. But, uh, let's. We have a couple of earnings I want to get to, and I want to start with BlackBerry here. It is on the top of my loser board uh, this morning. BB. Uh, Q2 EPS, zero cents. They actually beat by a penny. They're supposed to lose one cent per share. Sales, 261 versus $265 million. So a slight miss on that. And the stock is down 10%. Is the U.S. government still using uh, BlackBerry? Remember, <laughs> I, they were yeah. doing it. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. But I remember, <laughs> I remember that was like, like that's one of the um, 
uh, surviving narratives of 9-11 is that on, on 9-11, all the networks went down, but BlackBerry's network stayed up. And that's how uh, the government officials were able to talk to each other because of BlackBerry. Really? That's a good story. Well, not a good story, but uh, well, they got whacked. I mean, they took it straight down. Sellers just came in, took it all the way down. Your panic low comes in at 640. You got a little bit of a rebound to $7. I'm looking at this 640 area. Spencer, let's go to the dailies here. And I guess the low of the move was made in September at we have some other lows here in August. Let me go to the monthly and give you a good level here. Uh, 657 uh, was your low in December. You got near that area. Big, pretty big move here. So you're a little bit off it. I don't know, 650 to 660 as support here to possibly cover short. Uh, not looking quite yet to go long yet in the issue. That monthly uh, chart is crazy. Is that crazy? <laughs> Don't you remember? Do you remember BlackBerry? I, I remember uh, it seemed like one day everybody owned a BlackBerry, and then the very next day nobody had a BlackBerry. Do you, do you, do you remember that? Do you, do you get I that? had one. I had one. Did you ever have one? No, no, I didn't. But I feel like maybe once the iPhone came out, I don't know, because it was around that time, 08, 09. Also, the recession didn't help. But, uh, yeah, everyone I knew had a BlackBerry one day, and then next thing I know, nobody had BlackBerries. It was crazy. You know, I had a BlackBerry, and then I got an iPhone. I think I told this, and I just couldn't figure it out, and no one else in my family have it, so I returned it, and I got the BlackBerry. I kept it for another couple of years, and then my girls got the iPhone, and I'm like, so after they got it, it was they taught me how to use it and stuff, so I, I'm probably the only person that returned an Apple iPhone for a BlackBerry. <laughs> for a BlackBerry. You, you might yeah. be. You just yeah. might be. Don't know what to say to shareholders of this stock. I mean, it's yeah. – uh, been in a world of hurt. All right, uh, Carmax here, KMX Q2 EPS a buck forty versus a buck thirty-three estimate. Sales five point two versus five point oh six billion dollars. So beat on the top line to beat on the bottom line for Carmax in the second quarter. Uh, people buying used cars. I mean, yes. is that the story? Instead yeah. of new cars. They're, I mean, that's the only thing I can. Uh, and, I can. and they're getting them financed. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you've had a couple pops over 91, just quick pops. They've been snuffed out. Uh, not not major league, but uh, just any, this seller here looks like he wants out over 91. We'll see what that happens. Uh, all-time high in the issue, uh, 92.01. So maybe someone's looking for that area. So buck 70 away, faded in the 91 handle a few times. If you're looking for a nice juicy target here, I'd say uh, – 9201, the old time high from July in CarMax. And, and whenever I think of CarMax, don't you think of the stuff that, that you put on your lips instead of the car company? What? No. You don't? No, I don't think of that. No. I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had uh, our AutoZone is scheduled. I don't know if they're out yet. Same with Jable Circuits and, uh, and Neo. I haven't looked for Neo. Is Neo out? Neo. Yeah, it must is, be. Neo is. Oh, yeah. Neo is out. Whoa. This is funny. Well, not funny, actually. Uh, they canceled their earnings conference call. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. So, Neo reported a Q2 loss of $0.45 cents per uh, ADS per share. 
uh, versus an 18 cent loss estimate. Revenue was at 219 versus 184 million dollars. Their uh, Q3 revenue guidance was extremely extreme. White is it, it was so bad. So the guidance was at 558 million dollars. That was a Q3 revenue, or, or that was the estimate. Q3 revenue estimate 558. The guidance was 232 to 242. So they by half. That's uh, that's what they guided versus the estimate. So this was really really bad. They're laying off employees. They're reducing their headcount by like eight thousand people. Uh, this they canceled the conference call. Like I said, this is this is bad. This is really bad here. Do you guys, uh, if you guys want to do an article here, how about the sixty minutes? You're going to say that. Uh, yeah. You're going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. 60 Minutes asked, asked me to come on a couple of weeks ago, but I just didn't want to put a top in the show coverage, so I, I didn't come on. Probably I mean, smart. Probably smart. Yeah, I mean, where was that? I think that hit 11, 12. I think that was right around the all-time high. I think that that was right around. Could you check it real quick? Uh, was that? It was, it was in February. It was, it was late February. Hmm. All time high in February, ten sixty four, and then in March it bumped ten sixty three. I wonder if they're going to do a follow up story there. Oh, I wonder. At yeah. sixty minutes, uh, uh, what can you say about this stock? You, you're hitting, you're hitting the lows at uh, two seventeen, and someone's buying it. Probably someone that shorts bringing it in here a little bit, but uh, really not bouncing off here. The all time low in the issue. 235. So if you want to hold out, man, oh man, we are right there. I don't even know what to say about this stock. It's horrible. I can't say it's going under because I don't know enough about their cash or their cars or whatever they're producing. But uh, an IPO that's just gone south and uh, looks like it's going to be making a new all time low today. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Bu uh, bubbles pop. And uh, this is a, yet another example of the 60 minutes indicator working, right? When you see a company or a stock future on 60 minutes, it is almost always at or near the top. That's just or bottom. Just, it's a contraindicator. Yeah, right? Okay. okay. Do you have an yeah. example of the bottom? Hmm. No. <laughs> I, 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 just, I think about um, this. I think about when they had the Impossible Burger guys on a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I. I'm sure there are others that I'm. I don't know about lumber liquidator. They had Whitney on after um, yeah, yeah. after the lumber liquidators thing, and uh, I mean that's kind of tough. I mean they probably. I mean that. I think they would try and st you know shy away from stock market and stock picking. Well, and, uh, well, well, they don't do that, but they cover they they, they feature and they uh, they feature companies and they 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 do investigative work and that takes time and but it's a mainstream indicator is what it is right that's mainstream uh, news that's not Wall Street news that's mainstream news. There so. was a guy that. I think he passed away. I think it was Paul McCray Montgomery. And he used to do it. Someone correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he used to do that with Time Magazine covers and uh, with fashions. And I don't know. I think he did pass away. But it just kind of like when something hits Time Magazine, the right. cover, boom, kind of go the other look, way. 60 Minutes, I, I think they do great work. But it's, it's, a, con it's a contraindicator for the market or for a company when they're featured on that big of a mainstream platform. Um, American Express. 
back to the uh, buyback and dividend uh, train here. They are reporting a 120 million share buyback and raising their dividend from 39 cents to 43 cents a share. Uh, that's just, it's gotten a little pop off this of 41 cents. Uh, muted reaction. I mean, the market is trading up, so I don't even know if it, it's really helped it beyond where the market is trading. I, I can't, resistance, I'd say major resistance. I see it, you know, in the 121 handle, still three bucks away, but the support is easier to identify here. You did, you did do a little undercut yesterday at uh, 116.10, that's low. That looks to be like your major support, some, some big, big buying going on there. And we've also been in the trading range here for almost a month between that 116 and a half area and 121. So let it chop around in this area and, you know, go with it if it breaks out of over the 121 or breaks down below 116. All right, Joel, what about the setup here in U.S. Steel that we talked about yesterday? Well, Dennis called it a little bit late to the party. I wasn't paying attention to it. I mean, all these, I looked at the six out of the last seven analyst moves in U.S. Steel has been downgrades. The other one was a price target reduction. So a lot of negativity here. Uh, the only reason I like to uh, bringing it up is you had a low of the move at 1017. And then yesterday off the open, they take it down to 10 or the low of the move was 1016. They took it to 10.17, boom, rebounded, closed over $11. Uh, I'm not going to say it's out of the woods here until you clear like 11.35, 11.40. That's your four-day high. But that's just the other reason I wanted to point that out is just um, I'm using – you know, analysts, you know, all analysts ganging up on a stock sometimes for a turn in the stock. But uh, you would have to be a real, real, real contrarian on that one. I think what happens is you have people that have shorts in the market to try the cover. You know, the algo sniff out the buyers. And then maybe some real buyers came in. Uh, but just a nice move uh, that adds emphasis to that, uh, that multi-year low at 1016. Speaking of analysts ganging up on a stock, Analysts are getting up on Snapchat here in a good way. We have now yeah. got the third upgrade of Snapchat of the month. We had Evercore on the third, Susquehanna on the 17th, and this morning Guggenheim is upgrading Snap to buy, announcing a $22 price target. Can I ask a real dumb question? Please. And I know they're different, but what's the diff like major difference between Snapchat and Instagram? <laughs> they're they're not that different. The, really? The difference is in Facebook tried to buy Snapchat, and when Snapchat said no, Facebook said, "Okay, we'll just copy all your features on Instagram." the The biggest difference was that Snapchat's uh, photos auto delete, right? They're they're not permanent, um, okay. and Instagrams are. But aside from that. Facebook has essentially copied most of Instagram's features and they, they, they even copied that feature as well. So they're really not that different. It's, it's a matter of personal preference. Okay. That, that's the answer to your question. Facebook tried to buy Snapchat. They said, thanks, but no thanks. They said, okay, we're just going to copy all your features onto Instagram. So that's it. Okay. So I guess I wasn't that far. Nope. Not that far. far. Uh, as you guys can tell, I use neither. Uh, nice move up here. Uh, the analysts are helping this thing get off the mat. Uh, boom, trading up. Gosh, you just got to keep it. Uh, 17.55 up 43 cents. 
pre-market high comes in at 1766. If I was long this thing, I'd like to see it get up to 18. Uh, 1836 was a high. The prior day high was 18. Another day's high at 1812. So there's a seller there between, you know, over 18. They knocked it down pretty good off there. So if you just want to be patient in this one, wait for it to get up to 18. See if it can clear 18. It's had a big run, though, from 15. So I don't know if it will get there today. But uh, looking for another major leg up in this one. I'd say three closes over 1850 and you get another leg. But uh, that was about um, – that was that's a buck away. I'm looking at this weekly chart, and this is just kind of baffling. Um, like, what would you what would you do here in in Snapchat? Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me. Oh let me I'll tell I, you. I, I can convince myself in either direction. Um, you know, that's a, you're bringing up a good point here. Let's call the all time high in this thirty. In the all-time low, five twenty-five point move, twelve and a half. Man, 12 and a half and five is 17 and a half. You're right here right now. I, I mean, just because the market's giving me 18 as a number, for me to prove that this is another leg up in this stock, I'd wait three, four, five days to see if it's trading at 18 and a quarter. And then it will say, okay, it's cleared the 50% retracement, uh, you know, and we're going higher. But man, oh man, it just, you know, you had the huge decline off the IPO. You're getting back to mid-range. I don't know how their numbers have been lately, uh, but figure you could figure. I know I'm well, a little. They, they were good, but I don't think they were this good. Like they were okay. Like they were better than expected last quarter, but I don't know if they're really. But that. don't they don't they make their money off the advertising, right? Yes. Isn't that the way they do it? Yes. So I mean, I. I it's the same as Facebook and Twitter. It's ads. It's yeah. Awesome. So they all want to fight for that in the ad revenue and. The returns on that, I can, I have no idea where all that stuff is going. And and I'm a really poor example because I'm not on Snapchat or Instagram. So if they can, if they can increase their ad revenue, if they have an edge in that category, then yeah, it's gonna continue to go higher. If they don't have an edge in the advertise, you know, in the ad portal, that's you know, then it will sink back down. But I really, I mean, never took advertising when I was in college. <laughs> All right, we just got uh, Jable Circuit's uh, uh, earnings, or Jable, I'm going to call it Jable Circuit. <laughs> Jable's uh, earnings report uh, early, uh, a couple minutes ago here. Q4 EPS on JBL, 88 cents versus 86 nice. cents. Uh, sales uh, missed slightly, 6.57 versus $6.61 billion. So a mixed Q4 report, EPS beat, sales miss, and the full year EPS guidance was in line. The full year sales guidance was also in line, and they're doing a $600 million buyback. Uh, someone got real excited, took it up to $32.65. Someone got really unhinged and took it down to 30 even. So your early crazy price discovery is in. We are in the green as we speak right now by $0.45. Cents. And I'll just give you 32, 32.33 to 32.40. That were the highs of the move on 9.11 and 9.12. Let's see what the close was on those days. Uh, 31, high close for the move is 32.36, trading at 32 bucks right now. So right there, get me to, give yourself a little bit more room here. Let it get through 32.50. 
a uh, dime above those highs and then uh, another leg up higher here. And longer term, who who liked this stock? Do you remember who was on the show to no. like this stock? I have no. It might have been Sean. It might have been Sean. But that would have been that would have been my guess. But I he, I he likes a lot of stocks. Yeah. But no. um, okay. also Spencer, just go to the monthly here because uh, going back to '06 here before the uh, financial crisis, you had a high of thirty-one twenty-six here, and I mean, if you want to be like a bullish monthly trader here uh it looks like a you know another leg here a breakout to the upside in uh Jabel circuit all right uh there were a couple of ratings i wanted to get to and then if we have time i want to do some chat questions because we do have two guests we have nick at 8 35 and then we're going to be joined at 8 50 by nate tobik nice from completebankdata.com to talk about the uh the fed's repo madness here so a few more minutes and i want to get through these ratings and then get some sure. stuff before nick so we have uh win getting a big upgrade this morning from goldman sachs to buy winning resorts <laughs> we have not talked about this as much as we used to i feel like goldman sachs well yeah. you don't want to be standing in front of goldman sachs here i wouldn't ah uh, boom Trading up in the pre-market here, up $3.59, right at the highs of the pre-market session, one eleven eighty-nine. You're going to probably have some short scrambling on this one because you hit one twenty, and then all of a sudden you're back at 108. You're looking for the lows of the move here. I will, let's see if we got any daily highs here. Uh, if you just want some, if you're just a, you know, a medium range trader, you're looking for some targets here, not looking for the home run. Uh, 112.48, 113.75. You can just go look at those daily highs from uh, three, four, five, and six days ago, seven days ago, breaking this trend of lower highs. So uh, Goldman Sachs giving it a boost. I think if you really, if you want to be a long-term trader and say, you know, the stock's been a pig ever since uh, uh, Stephen had those, um, they were more than allegations, right? They were. Well, you got, forced, you got forced out of the company. Yeah, he got he got busted on that one. Um, one twenty is your major area long term in this one to hurdle to uh, to get back and working some of those uh, red bars back from uh, August. Boy, this stock is volatile. But uh, look at your short term targets: twelve forty eight, thirteen seventy five. All right, uh, Z Scaler also had an upgrade this morning. ZS Berenberg upgrading them to buy. Berenberg, they're waiting on this one. Zscaler hanging out at the lows of the move. Got whacked on earnings. Buck up a buck one. I don't mind this call. The reason I don't mind this call is because you have an area to lean on at 47.28. So if you're looking for any kind of this move to be retraced, you're risking five bucks. That's not a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, if you're looking for 10, 15, or 20 points, uh, my area of interest, my major area of interest is 53.15. And the reason is, is that's the highest it's been since that debacle earnings day. So once you get over 53.15, folks, things open up to those gap areas. You know, gaps are just not filled immediately, but uh, 60.03 would fill the gap. And uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be a stamp. We're stamp. We're looking for that one uh, get back to fill its gap well it had two huge gaps but yeah, which uh, one? yeah the second one <laughs> the first one i don't know if that will ever be filled but uh the second one uh to fill up to 8261 and then 
In Atlantic Equities, making a call this morning on Ralph Lauren. I'm going to assume it's a valuation call. They're upgrading Ralph Lauren to overweight. Oof. Man, this thing's a mover. Up 327 at 96 even. Just body trades here. So I know this one is a big mover. Ah, man, oh, man. I think once again, since you got hit the last few days, let's look at, you know, your daily highs. And uh, your first one that comes into play is 96.82. And then you got a big bump up to 98.82. So kind of kind of open here as far as resistance here goes. And Ralph Lauren. And then also if, if you were Tommy Technical and you looked at the move from like 82.5 to – 103 so let's call that a 21 22 point move half of that is 11 you took about half back if you were the 50 percent retracement trader that we all want you to be uh you would have been looking at this in this area and then getting a nice pop from atlantic equities jp morgan downgrading brinker international eat eat to neutral man these restaurant stocks Whew. man have they oh. yeah man oh man I'd be I'd be a little leery on this one, uh, just because uh, what has happened to your Mickey D, some of these you know Wingstop over. I thought I'm not I'm not going to be faded here um, on this downgrade. And uh, we take 42.78. That was a low from yesterday. I think you get considerable downside after that. Um, it's called 42 bucks. Your next area of interest. September 12th low was 41.94. And then Wells Fargo has a massive note this morning out on media stocks. They initiated 20, around 20 media stocks. Um, the most notable calls, they're initiating Spotify and underperform. Uh, Winesgate, LGF, Dennis is, uh, oh no, Dennis likes AMC. Uh, Winesgate gets an outperform. iHeartMedia gets an outperform. Fox gets an underperform. CBS, underperform. Disney outperformed, Viacom underperformed, Sirius outperformed, so uh, Discovery outperformed. So a lot of calls this morning uh, being made by Wells Fargo on the media space. The one that interests me the most is probably the Spotify at underperform. They gave it a $115 price target. Uh, are you on Spotify? Yes. I don't pay for it, though, but I, I use it. I think I have it on, I think I have it on my phone, too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who's going to be the winner here in this whole streaming wars thing? I, you know, content wars. I really don't know. Probably. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. Probably Apple. <laughs> okay. Uh, Spotify. I mean, you came down to the June lows, uh, trying to rally, but trading red. I would just for uh, Spotify. I'd keep an eye on uh, 120, 120.05. That was your May 23rd low, and that's been uh, really your low. It's not the yearly low, but uh, keep an eye on 120.05 in that issue. All right, let's bring on our first guest of the day. Nick Shaheen joins us every other Tuesday at 8.35. He is the author of Create Income with Option Spreads and SellSpreads.com. Nick, good morning. Good morning to you. How are we doing this morning? Well, he did okay. I'll give him a B <laughs> as far as uh, rating these stocks. I was, I was uh, 
listening to you on Zscaler and Ralph Lauren, and you picked the right levels there. Hey, all right. A B? <laughs> then why the hell do I get a B? <laughs> because you missed nuances. No, I'm just kidding. No, you, you're a, you're a important sponsor uh, right on. I agreed with everything you said. So I, the, the only thing is I wouldn't chase these upsides no. until because onus is on the bull to prove that they can hold it. Uh, right. It's not only important to retake the level. It's important to say I can step on it in order to make higher highs. So the better way to chase it is by selling uh, puts or put spreads. But I, again, I hate to do that on an up day, but I'd rather do that than buy calls. Uh, you can get Nick uh, back on once a week now since he's given me some compliments here. Uh, <laughs> Nick, I, I just want to talk to you about this expiration. And I, and I guess I'm the only one that uh, on Wall Street that was kind of disappointed. I don't want to say disappointed, uh, but you usually get like a little bit more of chop and slop or volatility. Um, the way I'm looking at it is because, you know, we, we had the Fed low on Wednesday at 80.75, and then they tried to press it there on Friday, and they couldn't get it below that level on Monday. I mean, I just, I don't know if there's an, a ton of buyers out there, but there certainly doesn't seem to be a ton of sellers. Guy, Give us your take on this expiration. Sure. Um, I think it was wild enough. Uh, the okay. uh, I noted that uh, open interest was, like you said, should have been wilder. Uh, but for, from the open the interest, open it was, there was a lot of um, downside pressure that just disappeared. I don't know where it went. There should have maybe those long tails that we had a few days uh, on on a lower time frame in the in the charts um, relieved some of the pressure. But th there were definitely uh, there should have been more violence. But it unfolded. The price action unfolded okay based on the charts themselves. And as far as making new highs, I would stay long throughout this mess because I think we still have a truce until uh, China has its birthday, whenever that is. And and it seems like they don't want to be verbally abusive to each other for at least a couple of weeks. And like you said, if there are no sellers, if we burst through, I think it will be violent. And the 3100s will come a lot quicker than people think. I mean, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you're saying 3100 and 3200. It's just a hair above where we are right now. And the absence of sellers makes it easier to leap because the emotions will get out of the way, the machines will take over, and then the stops will hit, and then all hell will break loose upwards. So I'm holding longs. I sold some puts, and I booked some profits. I'm short a few things that are going wrong, like bonds that were going against me this morning. Uh, so there are some things that are not working perfectly, but I think the charts want higher than lower. So would the chart, like, hmm. Would the market lead itself higher or would it take an actual meaningful catalyst? I don't think it will take a catalyst, but a catalyst will definitely make it instantaneous. But if we could, like, like the overnight burst, if we can bounce off the 305-ish, 04, 08 area has been pivotal for a while. I keep seeing it in front of me. And then if we can use it as footing and go above 12 and then that will get us to the 20s. And if we can set a new high, I think there, there's still a lot of stops. There are too many people that are comfortable short. I hear it in the media. Everybody's so confident that things are going to break down, just like they were confident that Trump wasn't going to get elected. It's almost like the same feeling because he's going to mess things up so badly. And what if he doesn't? 
What if nothing happens? How can you deny the P&Ls that are unfolding now? So I think once you hit some stops out there, it'll just be buying begets buying. Forget what the fundamentals are. Forget where we should be. I think the move, the easier move is up than down. Hmm. Okay. So that's broad market. What about individual sectors here? Uh, what's on your radar? Well, this week is Micron. So right. the semiconductor is probably on my radar. Uh, I was long AMD by selling puts at uh, 26. Uh, I collected over a dollar, dollar 10, I think, for it. Uh, now it's down to 75 cents. Uh, you know, I could get out of this just in case. But if it dips in sympathy to Micron, because Micron has run so far, um, I would probably resell that same put. And it was November. Um, but that means I want to buy it at 26. So if AMD falls below 26, I have to buy it there. And that's uh, Micron is what day? Is that tomorrow? Thursday. So Friday morning will probably be the day they trade that. Okay. Okay. Uh, are there other earnings plays that you're making this week? There aren't that many. I mean, we have Nike today. So. Yeah, well, Nike would be one, but I'm not trading it. It's above my pay grade to know what they're going to say, but they seem to be oblivious to what's going on in China in, in a good way. I'm not being sarcastic about it. it. It just seems like they are strong enough to say, you know what? We don't care. Uh, so we're still, our, our shoes are still selling pretty well and they're managing whatever uh, effects that China has on them. Uh, so the chart has been very active for Nike and it's kind of in a tight bunch after a long rally. So if you want to be an ABC uh, move up, I guess you would expect that Nike could be a lot higher uh, a week from now. So, but again, this is binary event and uh, on earnings. So I'd hate to just buy and hope. So if I'm long Nike, I'll probably stay long it. 86 is important to hold. Uh, the buyers are in charge as long as they're above that. And then above 89, 30 is just open air to, you know, 92, 95. Uh, while we're on the industry, let's just talk about Dix here. Question from Rob Hood uh, in the chat. Uh, how do you uh, approach this chart right now? Um, you, you know, it's the only gig in town in, in my neighborhood. And I, I just don't know how they could fail, except that they could fail. So it's too high for me to chase it here. Uh, Dix has to prove itself around 39 and above. So 39, there was a doji a few days ago. Uh, I wonder why on the 13th. That was Friday, right? No, Friday the 13th. Yeah, two Fridays yeah, two ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, so I wonder why. And then I look left and I kind of know why, because it's been um, the failure from last November, and the failure from February and um, April. And it's not exactly the same point, but it's the same area. So onus is on the bulls to take it over. And the first step would be to go above 39.10 and then obviously to beat that doji top, which is 39.60 something, and then use it as support. So if I'm long, I would trim. That's how I would treat it. And we're probably going to fall back to 36 and change and test it and go from there. If, it, if I'm long, that's what I want to happen. I want them to solidify the floors below me so they can attack that doji candle from the 13th and see what happens there. Another question from the chat. What about Walmart here? Sitting here at all-time highs. Yeah, too expensive for me. Um, you know, I shop there, and um, I'm amazed at how they make their numbers. Half my shelves are empty. Uh, you can't get any help. I don't know what the hell they're talking about, them investing in people. They're investing in people by firing all the rest of them. <laughs> I, I, you can't get help. The shelves are empty, but the price is great. 
if you want something and it's at Walmart, you're not going to find it cheaper anywhere else. Uh, so I don't want to go along it here uh, just because it just looks too extended. But if the market's rallied, it's going to go with them. Uh, it's, it's doing the right stuff with the online stuff. I have bought a lot of online stuff from them. And believe it or not, I bought truck tires for my son, 33-inch tires that I couldn't find anywhere except for like $500 a corner. I bought a whole set for $500 so from Walmart, $489. But it was through them, but somebody else, kind of like an Amazon deal where I clicked buy, but it's somebody else that sold me the tires, not Walmart. So it wasn't their product, but I'm sure they got a cut of it. So they, they are doing the right thing. It's just too high for me right now. This might be the first time in history anyone's ever said Walmart is too expensive for them. No, I didn't say it. Oh, the stock. <laughs> oh, the stock. Okay. <laughs> yeah, things are tough in this household. Walmart's too expensive for me. It, it, it's the irony. It's the irony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, going through the chat here, another question. What about Lulu here, Nick? The last thing on Walmart before I go to Lulu, I'd buy it if it goes down to 114 as a trade. Okay, Lulu. Lulu, I, I think I just did a video. I'll share the link uh, later here. Uh, I have a trigger alert at 195.80 just uh, because it might get interesting there. Um, it, as long as they're above 188, 189, I think the buyers are in charge. It's some, some sort of a pivot zone just because they failed at it a couple of times and then finally they got above it. So now onus is on them, the buyers to say, okay, we, we earned it so we can set higher base. Just exactly what I just er said earlier. It is an expensive stock. It's not for the faint of heart and it's definitely a trade and you have to put stops. Uh, maybe 183, 184 would be a place to get out. Depends, that's that'd be my taste. It seems to have solid support at 11850 ish. All the all these comments are short term, so um, you know be careful if you're trading or investing. You have to. Def you know, I had a few conversations last. I did a few classes the other day, and the common thread was it almost like the people I talked to they didn't know what they were why they bought the stock, and and they were down fifty percent, and they're asking me should I sell. Uh, first of all, I can't tell you, but you have to remember why you took the trade. And if, if that reason is still there, then no, you shouldn't sell. And I wouldn't sell. But if, if that reason is gone, and why didn't the stops uh, kick in earlier? So placing the right, taking the trade, define it first. Otherwise, you don't know if you want to defend it. Have you traded uh, FedEx and UPS at all? FedEx, uh, it disappointed me a few times and then I left it because it's a broken company, I think, and they don't know it. Uh, so it, it, they've been dicking around with uh, Amazon, the competition, not competition, and totally ignoring it like Macy's, uh, for example. The, the, and uh, it just, yeah, it's cheap. Yeah, it's in a five-year base of sorts, but I don't know why I would want to go up and, and bet on it up on a fundamental basis. So it would have to be a trading basis and I just haven't seen anything that panned out. So on a weekly chart, if it ever gets to 172-ish, it's a moving target, I would short it. Um, so, or if I'm long it, that's where I'd exit because that's where the sellers come in and say sold. So until they go above that, they, oh, you know, the, the sellers are definitely in charge to say the obvious. What was the second one, UPS? Yep. So UPS will probably be the exact opposite because if money goes into that sector, I know they're in the transports, but they're not really. They're kind of like their own little niche in the transports, I think. And 
so UPS are, is obviously apparently doing something better, but I don't know the fundamentals on it. I got to check it real quick before I, I put my foot in my mouth here. So it, it is uh, 21 PE, you know, kind of like Apple um, and one and a half time sales. So it, it's not expensive from that perspective, but I see a lot of gaps below and, and such a big rally. So as long as it's above 117 and change, I'm okay with it. Once it flips below that, then the sellers might be selling the pops versus buying the dips as, as they have been. So be careful if you're long that to, to know. I got a good one for you here uh, before we let you go. Regeneron, R-E-G-N in a long, long, long consolidation period. <sighs> After a major decline here. I don't know. With these yeah. pharmaceuticals, I'm like, dude, what do you got in the pipeline? But uh, what are you looking at here, Nick? Uh, nothing I want to bet on because uh, they are going. we are going into elections and the politicians yep. from both sides left the beat on them. I don't know what the problem is with Regeneron. Uh, here's a monthly chart. I needed to go to a monthly chart to see what's below. And uh, I have no idea. So something sticks out at 205 for some reason area. There were two big monthly candles. Uh, make sure that these reasons that cause those candles are not gone uh, all the way on the left on the chart. And, uh, you know, it's just barely coming back into the monthly value area. So there's plenty of froth to come out of it, depending on what the news is. So I have no idea where I wouldn't catch this falling knife. Let's put it that way. Uh, just one more comment. Uh, you know, Nick and I have our different methods of technical analysis, but, it, you know, he mentioned at the top of the show how we come up with some similar numbers. And he mentioned that 3008 area. And uh, I was keen on that from last week because there was a period during an expiration where you had four out of five closes at either at 3008 or 3008.50. So, intermediate number totally agree with that one nick we're, we're leaking now i'm not sure what the prop what the what the reason is but uh that's a good number nick it's not a high it's not a low but it's an area of multiple closes cool all right nick shaheen is the author of create income with option spreads joins us every other tuesday nick thanks for the time and the charts talk to you in a couple of weeks all right looking forward to it all right, uh, eight forty nine here. Uh, here, Joel. Before we bring on uh, Nate Tobik, uh, what's going on? Why are we leaking over there? I, you, I, you know, no, I've been looking and I don't, I don't see any any tweets. I don't see any any. Uh, a little any bit of a money. bond rally. I'm not sure. I mean, they fluffed it up off the open, so now at mid range did not hold here. Double O seventy five is your pre market low. I mean, I might I might try and hold out for the close. I don't think we're really gonna get much negative action here unless we get a tweet or something but uh, 97 even uh you're close but just kind of a slow drift lower i don't know we don't have triple d today if there's selling balances or, or not but uh we've got a special we've got another guest coming on today yeah all right i'm gonna bring him on nate tobik as i mentioned he is uh the uh author oh he runs completebankdata.com author of the bank investors handbook and we're bringing nate on to talk about this repo madness here. So I didn't think this was going to last as long as it has, but what do I know? Apparently, apparently this, uh, the, the, the lack of overnight liquidity in the repo market is, is uh, sustained, and the Fed has now had to pump, I don't even know the, the number, uh, I think it's over $100 billion uh, of money into the overnight repo market. So Nate, uh, good morning. Can you, uh, first of all, is my uh, description of, this, of what's going on accurate? Uh, yeah, so so kind of what to, 
bring everyone up to speed. Basically what's happened here is um, back in the crisis, we had this situation where there just wasn't enough liquidity in the market for these, these overnight repos. So what an overnight repo is, is um, let's say your broker, you're doing a bunch of stuff on margin, you're doing trades and they need, to, there's, you know, there's an imbalance at the end of the day. So they, they ended up with more securities or less securities. And uh, so they, obviously you you need someone to you know balance that out so they get a they get an overnight loan then their clients go on trading the next day and and this isn't just individual traders this is banks investment banks this is is really anyone kind of the money flows um so you you've got these overnight loans and what happened was back in the crisis that whole market froze up and the fed said that's fine we'll just kind of nurse it along uh so they'd been nursing it along for 10 years and uh, kind of pulled away. And uh, the way they nursed it along was uh, by doing, they were kind of injecting liquidity into the system and there's a bunch of, um, you know, excess bank reserves. And so a bank was willing to make an overnight loan because they had extra money. They could pick up a little cash. Uh, you know, these overnight loans, it, it's a like a 2% interest rate and um, on, on a one day. So it, it's not much but it's kind of a, a way to put some extra money to work. Uh, so what ended up happening was, um, you know, we had earlier this month, there just the, the overnight rates went, um, I think the median rate was something like 5%. There was some- I saw it was high uh, as 10. I, I, that, and that was, yeah, so the median was, was five and it, and it went all the way up to 10 on some trades, which basically said that um, banks were not interested. I mean, I guess there's two things. So the narrative we heard was that it was just an imbalance thing due to taxes. It was a one-time thing. Um, but, you know, there's two sides of the trade. So one is people are posting collateral and may, there's a, you know, was the collateral good enough? And the second is, did banks have enough excess money that they're willing to make these trades for that collateral? Well, the answer was clearly no, because that's why rates, rates shot up. Um, and that, that tax imbalance thing, um, seeing how the Fed has stepped in and said, we're going to keep doing this for the next month. Um, that's definitely not true. And then even beyond that, uh, they came out with an announcement that said that they're now going to be doing 14-day repos. So instead of just an overnight where we're posting collateral for just one night on something, um, there's apparently you know, assets out there that no one wants to, to lend on for 14 days. So you have to say... Um, I don't know what's being posted, but there are banks who are who are looking at this stuff and saying, "I'm not sure if I'm going to get my money back in in two weeks." And um, you know, it's a cause for concern. It's kind of very deep. I got to yeah. hop in here. I mean, they, you know, I mean, I try and maintain my uh, bullish stance here um, in the markets, but when you start talking about banks and brokerages having to get money from the Fed to hold overnight positions in the market. Boy, that 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 does not sound good to me at all. I mean, in fact, that makes me very, very concerned about the market. Am I uh, am I overdoing things here a little bit? No, no, I don't think so at all. And um, you know, we don't have the visibility into what these positions are that that no one wants to touch. But there's <laughs> something something floating out there that is, you know. It's not the subprime mortgages, but there's something equally as toxic that no one no one wants to put a finger on and yeah it's um you know does that 
does whatever that is, does that have the potential to, to torpedo the rest of the market? I'm not sure. Do you think it's the I, this is these IPOs? You know, you look at what Roku's done. You look at the volatility in Beyond Meat. You look at, uh, I mean, Chewy. I mean, had an update yesterday. Is it just, you know, you think these banks that underwrote the IPOs for these, for these companies and now huh, they're standing back saying, I don't want to own this stuff. Do you think that's it? I, I think that's it. I think the other thing is, um, you know, we've seen this in the market. There's these um, expectations are so elevated. So we've seen a lot of cases where someone misses earnings by a couple, a couple cents and then the stock drops 15% overnight. And you say, wow, that was crazy. What happened? And it, it's extremely volatile. And we keep getting these sort of, a, you know, the surprises, right? And if you're thinking about the trade, this repo trade, if you're holding that thing, it's like, I don't know if I want to be holding this stock through earnings, because what if they missed by a couple cents, you know, that collateral is now worth a lot less. And, you know, then um, it, it all trickles through. So I, I think that's part of it. I agree. The IPOs, um, you know, there's, there is a lot of junk that is being pushed into the market and um, the brokers backing these things don't seem to have a ton of confidence. They're just kind of pushing it forward, hoping it, it you know, it's like they're, they're pushing leaky boats into the ocean, hoping that they, they float far enough away and, and no one sees who pushed it in. Um, that, that's, yeah, there, there's a lot of factors. And Could it just be a dollar shortage? You know, and that was, I think that's what people are hoping. Um, I think the reality is, you know, we've kind of been on this slow drip from the Fed for 10 years, and they finally turned the drip off back in August. And I think we're realizing that it, maybe things were never quite as healthy as, as we thought they were because we had this, this baseline, um, you know, they were just pumping money in. And I think that's what's going to happen is, so the Fed is going to go back to, um, they're just going to keep pouring money in. They're going to, um, you know, push up bank reserves and try to get things working back to normal. And, and that could be it. This could just be some sort of a strange bump in the road. Um, you know, will it come back and bite us at some later date? It, it might, but it could be years before someone looks back and says, this was sort of a warning sign. Or Nate, like you said earlier, there could be some other asset out there that is traded super, you know, over the over the counter with no liquidity that we just don't know about that i i think that's probably the you know so there's there's a lot of you know a lot of what's posted um it's bonds corporate bonds um i mean look at some of these these back to the ipos there's a lot of these companies that have done some strange uh bond financing transactions i mean you look at WeWork and um you know a structurally unprofitable company took out a bunch of debt and now they're going to try and, and raise equity to, to float themselves. I mean, who, who would hold that debt? That's terrible. Yeah. And full disclosure, I just rewatched margin call over the weekend. So I've got that on my mind, but uh, Nate, someone in our chat is asking about the difference between the uh, LIBOR rate and the uh, SOFR rate. If you can enlighten us all. Uh, that that's I'm, familiar with it but i just am not that's not in my wheelhouse to, to speak authoritatively on it yeah it's, so i mean the the idea is with the libor it was a a bunch of banks they kind of based on what they were seeing they they all pooled their information and set these rates overnight and um i know the system was gamed 
and uh, banks gamed it to their advantage. And so we're trying to move to something else. Um, but it's, that's kind of the high level. Okay. Hey, Nate, before we let you go, you were on a few months ago and you had one stock. I can't remember what it was, but you were a little bit worried about it. You had it, you were talking about it on the short side. Do you remember what that was? Um, I don't remember specifically. It might have been my uh, my favorite punching bag, uh, Bank uh, OZK. That would have been my guess, the Bank of the Ozarks. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Over the um, past six months, I mean, back in May we were at 34. Now we're at 27. Um, we the you know the I think the short story on this is great. There was just another article on um, I don't. It was one of the it may be Bloomberg where they, they talked about um, why the head of their commercial lending abruptly quit. And it turned out that the, uh, the CEO was strong arming him to try and um, overcompensation. And uh, this head of lending was, was driving returns. Right, okay. And the CEO is like, I don't think you should get paid as much. Of course, he's lining his pockets all the way to the bank, um, you know, pun intended there. But um, the, uh, the, the reality is this this thing is there are a couple banana peels away from a, a full fall. And um, I mean, as a trade, this has been great. If you look, so I'll buy puts on this when it, it starts to, to get above 30 again. And uh, you could see pretty reliably, it'll, it'll take a $5 or so a share uh, dip pretty, pretty often. And you could just keep recycling that. Um, especially once the market starts to get volatile, it's that's a, that's a really reliable trade. One more one for you. And this is a toughie. Let's say uh, Donald Trump called you up today and said that he wants to replace you, uh, take Jerome Powell out of there and put you in there. And he wants to know what you think about the direction of interest rates. Should we continuing to lower rates and follow the path of Europe? Or what would you take the job and, and what would you do with interest rates? I, I, there's no way I'd take the job. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think the, the thing with interest rates is um, I think we're, we're kind of walking down a dangerous line in the sense that the lower we go when times are good and the market's at all times high, we don't have much margin when something goes wrong. And, um, you know, in the past, we've been able to, to bail ourselves out by lowering rates. And if we just keep driving these things towards zero, there isn't going to be much room to lower them. And, um, you know, I think what's going to happen. So, I mean, it, you know, looking ahead, I see we've got Trump who is willing to step on the gas as fast and, and do whatever it takes to keep the markets aloft. And, um, you know, on the other side for the election, um, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren kind of have this, um, you know, take a dagger to the banks thing. So if one of them does win, there's no bailout. And, um, you know, there could be a scenario where we've driven rates to zero. One of them wins. We eventually have a crash and uh, no one's coming in to save the day. And, you know, that that would be catastrophic. same could be said if if Trump just uh, just keeps flooring it for years, and um, you know that isn't healthy either. So I think there's a natural there's a natural level for interest rates. It's probably higher than than where it is now. Um, I know what I'm seeing is, you know, a lot of um, in terms of credit, the 
there's a lot of this is the um there's a lot of i don't want to say bad credit but it's bad ideas looking for credit if that makes sense so this is the this is the point in the market where you get the the person who's 10 miles outside of town who wants to build a, a new shopping center and you think don't we already have enough shopping centers closer to where everyone lives and they're looking to finance that thing Th those are the credits that's going to be a problem when we finally have a recession and there's a lot of those projects out there seeking financing right now uh, at the same time though uh, when i talk to bankers they're still it 2008 is very fresh in their mind and so they are very hesitant to lend on those sort of projects so what we have is we have some some OZKs who they don't care they're happy to lend on that um, and then a lot of some of these um, the fintechs or the non-bank lenders who it's like hey we we need to get loan volume up securitizations are coming back they just want volume they want to get in the game make their fees and so they're taking the risk on some of these things. And, um, you know, so the next crisis won't look like the last one. There's definitely gonna be some credit sure. problems. I'm not sure if it's actually in traditional banks. It could be in some of these non-bank lenders. Um, there's a lot of hedge funds, some, some enormous hedge funds involved in financing some of these things. One more before we let you go. I know we're running a little over time here. Uh, so if you want to follow this repo madness situation and what's going on with it, and you feel if you feel like it's escalating and having a negative effect on the overall market, what are you watching? I mean, they, you know, are you watching the Fed funds rate? Are you watching the bonds? Are you watching how banks, if there's one thing that I should put up on my screen here to, to follow the situation, kind of give you a feeling when you look at the actual number on something that gives you a feeling which way it's going, uh, what should I have up on my screen? So I'd, I'd look at a couple of things, um, Fed funds rate, look at the overnight rate. And then here's another, this is, and then the true effect of this is um, look at the, the federal home loan bank, their benchmark rate. So in, in most cases, that's the rate that a bank is pegging themselves to when they lend. And um, the, the federal home loan bank is then obviously pegging themselves to, to the cost of their money. Um, and what I've heard from this is, uh, you know, it was actually the day before uh, the Fed cut rates. I was talking to a banker and he said, I said, this is, you know, this is going to be great. Rates are going to come down. There's going to be some refinancing opportunities. And he said, you know, what's strange is our borrow rate shot through the roof recently. And that was from the Federal Home Loan Bank. And I started to look into this and uh, that's true. Those, so while the benchmark rate is coming down, uh, the true lending rate is actually floating up. And, and, and that's what market watchers are really worried about is that the Fed has lost control of rates, that rates are, are starting to go up and it's gonna be costing borrowers more. Um, yet at the same time, the Fed's trying to push it down. And so, um, yet, so there, there's a federal home loan bank in, um, I don't remember how many, I think maybe 12 or something. Most of the cities, you could find all their stuff online. Um, some of them, it, it's kind of a real time and you could see the rate history, uh, but I, I would be watching that. All right, Nate Tobik with some tremendous insights for us. He is the founder of CompleteBankData.com and the author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. Nate, as always, thanks for your time. We appreciate it and uh, have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. All right, we did go a little over, but that is okay for Nate. His insights were exceptional and I feel smarter for that. So thanks for getting Thanks, Nate.
Thanks, Nate. And thank you, Joel, for uh, reaching out to uh, Nate this morning. I want to thank you for listening as well. You can catch our podcast or the replay of the show on any podcast platform or on YouTube. Thanks to our other guest, Nick Shaheen, as well. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing advice, questions, comments, concerns. Email us, premarket at benzinga.com. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you with Dennis, we hope, on Wednesday. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.